Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. I'm so excited to introduce to you today's guest. She is one of my dearest, best good friends out in Nashville. Her name is Sierra Ferris. She is an incredible friend, writer, musician, singer, songwriter, all the things. She's a very, very cool human. And we go into a lot in this episode regarding mental health, a lot in diet culture, a lot in body shame, and what it's like growing up in today's world regarding that kind of stuff. I learned a lot from her today on what it means to really love my body and take care of my body. And yeah, so I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. We go into a little bit about the incredible horses on the ranch that Sierra loves and I love and Oh, stay tuned for another episode regarding all of that because that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry, let me do that again because I just knocked into my mic. <laughs> you gotta oh keep my that. Gosh. That's definitely that's definitely kept. How are you doing, my dear friend Sierra Ferris? How I'm doing are you? So well. So to tell you uh, why I'm a little bit nervous. Um, so I was going through your like your list of questions and I read them all and I have like I mean I'm pretty much I, I could talk about any of those things for quite some time but um, it was funny because I didn't really get to really marinate because I was I then had the idea to do something um, so have you seen my Instagram? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I've seen it in my life, but I don't know okay. what you're talking go, about. <laughs> go look at what I just posted. I want to hear your your reaction. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is great. I'm happy you did this. Okay, hold on. Wait, you liked it. I liked it? Where? Wait, hold on. I'm gonna it's the post I posted of my um my my birth announcement, my three hundred months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Sierra loves Dolly Parton horses and Ollie. Hates olives and people who Walk slow and won't move over. That's amazing. And I-440. Oh, my gosh. I-440 sucks ass. It's the worst, especially if you have anxiety. And, like, Nick doesn't even have anxiety. And he, like, the whole time was, like, we were driving on it yesterday. He was, like, Oh, my gosh. Anyway, yeah, I was, like, wait, wait. I know I should be preparing for this, but. No, that's much more important. That's amazing. (laughs) I think I briefly saw that when I got off the phone with you and was trying to figure out how many years were 300 months and I just gave up. And then I was like, okay, there we go. That makes sense because that's how old you just (laughs) grew. Dude, you have your full brain now. How do you feel? Do I have my full brain now? That's what I heard. 25 is your full brain year. I know. (laughs) This is it. I know. When I turned 25, I was like, damn it, there's going to be so much pressure now to like know things. <laughs> this is really just it. This is great. Yeah, this no, is all I get. Cool. Well, I'm okay with that. I think I'm a cool person like right yeah. now. I think I'm oh, at my like coolest. I think you're very cool. You're probably oh, one God, of the thanks. coolest people I know, Sierra Ferris. <laughs> I've never used your just full name casually before. It's kind of fun. So how are you feeling about, about this podcast? I'm so I'm excited about you doing it in general. And I I love being on podcasts because I love hearing myself talk. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. That's good to hear. At least I'm honest about it, right? But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm very excited about it and I'm excited to hear not just like you get to tell your story, but get to hear how, um, how 
everybody else's stories are going to get to be told. Like it's, and you get to like facilitate that. And it's just very exciting. It's inspiring me. I'm, I've been thinking about doing a similar kind of grain of podcast about mental health and like, um, you know, relationships and things like that. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, it's inspiring me. I'm like, maybe I need to finally do it. <laughs> Dude, you should do it. You should absolutely do that. I think that, I don't know. I mean, you say you like hearing yourself talk, but you say, like I told you last night, really incredible things. You have a very good perspective and a very good way of like processing through, not just like the lighter things, but like the really like deep things in life. So I am in, I support it. Yeah. Well, if you if I make it, you're going to be on it like every week. It's just going to basically be us. <laughs> okay. It'll just be us every week. It'll be great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, see here, let me, let me ask you the question that I'm hoping to start most of these podcasts with. Um, cool. But will you describe to me your relationship with your body? Yes. So it's a funny <laughs> time. No. <laughs> yes. It's a, yeah, no. Um, no, it's actually a really funny time to answer that question in my life because at the moment I have currently like literally just in the past week, I have finally started working with my body instead of against it. And it's been a really big deal for me and very like emotional and beautiful and personal. And I, but like at the same time, I love talking about it and love telling people about it. So it's a great time to ask that question because I, I have a lot of really great positive things to share. And then also like, but it's more on the subject of like how I've been healing from the not so positive things. Um, but I mean, yeah, I would say like at the moment, my relationship with my body is, is probably the best it's been in my whole life. Wow. That's really incredible to hear. I want to talk about like all of that. Yeah. Um, I haven't got to tell you like about much of it at all. So I'm kind of excited to tell you about it. (laughs) So good. Wait, so first talk to me about like the past of like kind of what you think made it difficult to have a relationship with your body growing up or in the more recent years or like what that, I guess, has looked like for you historically? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. And I'm a super open book about any of it. So, I mean, I'm, because I, I'm realizing more and more. So I've started actually sharing some of my healing um, on more like private forums and have realized like a lot of people have reached out asking to know more privately. And I'm realizing that like, you know, I was, I was trying not to make it super public because I didn't know if it would be beneficial for anyone. And I try not to like make my mental health journey public unless it's beneficial. Um, and unless it'll benefit other people, because otherwise it's kind of, it feels to me kind of like self-serving, but I I don't necessarily think that's always true. I think that's me being hard on myself, but, um, so yeah, I, I am really excited to, (laughs) tell you about it. Um, because I've already had so many people that are like people I never would have expected have reached out and wanted to hear, um, kind of how I went from where I, where I was before to kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, but it kind of started like, so growing up, I grew up in a really image centered family. Um, and they're still pretty image centered. Everybody's kind of learning and adjusting. But the thing is like, we don't really talk about enough. Like everybody really praises like thick bodies. Now everybody praises like not everybody, but a lot of people are really praising just like natural bodies and cellulite and stretch marks and all of these beautiful things that always have been normal are being praised all of a sudden. And that's so wonderful and and beautiful, but it doesn't 
take away the years and years of bullying and trauma that those of us with those things suffered before now. Mm-hmm. And so we have been left completely kind of, it's like, you know, I joke a lot, like if you're going to, you know, be post, a lot of the girls who post about like, you know, Lizzo and how fabulous she is, and she is so, so fabulous and a wonderful human being. But a lot of the girls I know who post about her and I see them just like really like gassing her up are girls who bullied me for my weight when I was younger. And I don't think they understood at the time what they were doing to me or what their comments said, even if it was small. And you even had like, I mean, I don't know if you ever really experienced this growing up, but like teachers, teachers would say things like your gym teacher would like, you know, talk about healthy body weight as a general like blanket, this is what everyone should be. And if you weren't that, it was mortifying. And the fact is, there is no thing that every single person should be. Like, mm-hmm. just like how your treatment and your your experience of like healing is different than what I had to do to heal. And that's kind of what made me able to finally um, recover or start recovering. I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily recovered. But basically, in last October, I finally realized that I had um, that I had binge eating disorder, and realizing that was really eye opening for me. Um, but I didn't know what to do because <laughs> I I felt like I knew all the answers for like anything else that would come up in my life, mental health wise. I knew like how to take care of those things, but like how do you take care of binge eating disorder when like at when I was younger I dealt I dealt with um you know under eating and anorexia and now I'm at this point where it's like I eat all the time and everything until I'm sick and then I eat more and the whole reason I figured it out was because I was watching a TV show where they were making fun of it. Mm. What show was that? It was um um insatiable. Oh, and I don't yes. think they intended to make fun of it. Like I don't think the writers were like, yeah, I'm going to you know, make a bunch of girls with binge eating disorder realize in a very horrific way that they have an eating disorder. But like, it's kind of campy and funny how they try to go about it. And for me, it was really hard to like, it made me like weep. I mean, it gutted me for months. Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to you about it around that time. It's such an isolating feeling to realize something like that. Or I guess like, it kind of feel like, like for me, when I kind of, when I, I guess, realized my eating disorder for the first time, it felt like someone just held up this like super magnified mirror in front of my face that I had never seen before. And it just felt scary. Yeah. And when you have an eating disorder, regardless of what it is, I think the one thing that unites it all is like, really, I think, you know, kind of what you're trying to get at with this podcast of your disconnected from your body. Like you are at war with the thing that carries you through the day. And that makes it a lot harder to get through the day. You know, any, any other thing you're dealing with, I, I often said, actually at the time I would tell my, my counselors and my therapists and my, cause I started going to a new therapist at the time. Cause I thought maybe she could help me. Cause I thought I had an addiction to eating basically. And, um, I started going to a psychiatrist, like all these new people in my treatment team. And I kept telling them that, um, that it really felt like, like, uh, 
Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I had a great train of thought, and it totally went away from me. Um, shit, what was I talking about? <laughs> I remembered. Yay! It was okay. important. You're gonna, you're gonna like, you're gonna, get, you're it. gonna get it. I feel like you're gonna feel this. Okay, so yeah, I started seeing this new treatment team, and I told them all. I was like, I have this like laundry list of mental health issues that we need to address, but the First one is my eating issues because I might have like a, you know, up or a down like once a month. You know, I might go really, really down once a year, but every single day I have to eat a meal. And if I don't, I die. And I know that. And I basically went, I swung super hard from um, when I was younger. I, I think I've told you this, but I used to like in Sharpie write on myself how many calories I'd eaten in the day. Like Ugh. every time I ate something, I would write it on my arm. People would always be like, why do you have these numbers on your arm? And like no one ever really cared because I was also a chubby girl at the time. And so like no one saw me and was like, oh, that girl has an eating disorder. In fact, people who found out what I was doing told me that it was like encouraged me to keep doing it. Because oh, that I was, makes me sick. Yeah. Um, most of the time, anything that I did was encouraged. Um, I was never, I never got treatment for my um, anorexia. What got me to stop starving myself was that someone told me at some point, and it clicked for me, that me starving myself and then like eating something like here and there was making me hold on to that food so much that I was actually like, my body wasn't functioning right and I was gaining weight. So it was doing the opposite of what I'd hoped. Mm. And that is why I stopped starving myself. It wasn't because anyone ever told me to get treatment. In fact, I was really encouraged. And there's a lot of big girls, and I don't say big as a derogatory or bad term because I am a big girl and I'm very proud to be a big girl. But there's a lot of us who, like when we do go to someone about our eating issues, no one steps in. No one tells us not to do that. And especially growing up in like the 2000s, like every time I told someone, like my mom told me, I remember the first time I ever took um, medication, like the first time I ever took, it was uh, ADHD medication. I remember being told, that's so good. It's going to curb your appetite. And I was 12. Ugh. And I, so for me, I thought like a victory would be not eating. And still to this day, like, you know, very rarely has anyone ever been like, you didn't eat today. That's not good. Until I met, um, the girls at the ranch who like, you know, you've met and will probably get into at some point. <laughs> I, would, I would hope so. I would hope so. And if not, then that might need to be a whole new podcast. But <laughs> oh my gosh, um, I met them and they'll be like, Sarah, eat something. In fact, they bring me snacks. <laughs> They're like making sure they're like, you eat something, but it went from this hard swing of like, okay, I have to not eat anything to like, I said, oh my gosh, I have to eat a million fruits and vegetables a day. And so when I was little and like 16, I consider that like a baby because it was 10 years ago at this point, which is crazy. It was nine years. But when I was like 15, 16, and I realized that I dropped weight like crazy. Like I just dropped a ton of weight and then everybody was so much nicer to me. And I was super, super praised. Like everybody was, you know, like, like I just had my, I thought my life was so much better. 
And because back then, like, nobody talked about how horrible that is to do to Mm -hmm. people and how bad it is to lose weight that fast. And I have, like, I mean, I have pictures I'll have to show you sometime where it's, like, I don't even look like myself. I look like I'm withering away into the wind. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea, like, what I was doing to myself. And I remember, like, in high school, I would think, like, okay, so I'm going to go out drinking with my friends tonight. But I'm going to make sure I drink enough to throw up so that I don't have to have any of the calories, but I can still have a good time. Oh. And, like, you know. That's so sad. This was when I was so little. And then I was in musical theater. And, like, I remember people told me I was too fat to play a role when I was, like, underweight. You know, looking back on it and realizing my weight, I was underweight for my height. Yeah. Which is, and I hope to God you talk about this in your podcast. It is a million times, that's not the scientific amount, but it is scientifically less healthy to be underweight than to be overweight. Oh, yeah. I learned a lot about that recently. I just learned about this. Why do you think it is this way? Like, I'm sure that there's like a million reasons out there, but like, personally, what do you think it is that moralizes like small, thin, whatever that like the diet culture lingo is versus Girl. just who we are. I know exactly why it is. <laughs> okay, tell I know me all about exactly it. why because women are made are meant to be small. So, you've met my sweet loving boyfriend Nick. So he's yes, a slim Nick. fellow. <laughs> I am a big girl and I remember my elementary school music teacher used to talk about the rest in music. So, you know, like it's like the skinny line, the big line and then the two dots. My elementary school teacher told me that her husband was the skinny line and she was the big line and the dots were their two cars. And I remember we thought it was so funny when we were kids, but I remember thinking to myself, I never want to be that. And which is so crazy. She's a wonderful person, still is. She's amazing Was and is beautiful, like just, just an incredible person. Like so stupid, but we are conditioned from a young age to take up less space. Little girls are told to be quiet. They're, you know, boys are allowed to just like take up space. And like, we're not allowed to take up space. We're not allowed to be bigger than our boyfriends. People are weirded out by girls being taller than their boyfriends. Yeah. It's, it's that heterosexual, um, like, like it's, it's literally diminishing women based on like women are supposed to be small and frail and the man does things for them. When we take up space and when we're strong and when we're doing something dynamic, it goes against what generations and decades and like centuries of women were told to do. Yeah. And then we were raised by those women who were raised by those women and so on. It feels like brainwashing. Yeah, it literally is. It's so deeply ingrained, like you and I may never in our entire lifetimes fully get it out, but the best we can do is like just work with ourselves and love ourselves and be mindful about what we spread to the future generation. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, so, so growing up when this was happening to you in these experiences, how do you feel like your relationship with your body was then? Like, what did that look like? How did you feel about yourself? Like if you were to like write a letter to your body at that time, what would that be like? I hated my body so much. I would sit in the shower and cry 
and like grab pieces of fat on my skin and like squeeze them and dig my nails into them. Like there was nothing I hated more in the world than my own body. Um, and I, and it was even when I was like so young and wasn't even grown yet, my body wasn't even like what it was going to be yet. And I was already just like hating it. And, um, I also grew up in like a really tough town to grow up in. It was a lot of like really rich, like white, beautiful girls, their families all had like all this, like everybody was just beautiful in my town. And it was so much pressure to also be that way and like be blonde and be tan. And I mean, I self tanned so much. Same. Oh, same. You self tanned? (laughs) I did. I got the little sticker to get the little tan line on your hip and everything. It was beautiful. You have beautiful, beautiful skin. Oh, thank you. You're like olive. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I admire your skin so much. Oh my God. That's crazy to me. But yeah, I would say like, it was awful. I mean like, and I don't even have a whole lot of memories of my childhood, but I do remember like just really hating my body. There was no connection. The times when I was really restricting, I was in pain all the time because part of like, what what you don't realize is most of the water you get is like from food. You know, not a lot of us just like drink a ton of water every day. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. So a lot of your hydration comes from food. And, um, and so I wasn't eating and I was abusing myself for eating an apple. Like, you know, I wasn't getting any of the nutrients and fluids I needed. So my kidneys were always in pain. And I always wondered why I had like serious pain in my kidneys. Mm. And it was because I'm a ding dong and wasn't giving myself any fluids. Like I wasn't giving myself nutrients to grow. Oh my gosh. No, I, that just makes so much sense to me. And it's so sad because at the time it's like, you're literally just trying to make it to the next day. Because it's like yeah. when we grow up in that kind of environment, at least from my experience, it's like that was just the way that it is. Like there's nothing outside of that. Like, however, like I was raised in my neighborhood and the culture and school, like I learned that that was how the world worked. It wasn't like, oh, what else is out there? Or maybe this isn't right. Like, Well, and you're just too tired to fight. Yeah. It's this cycle. Like you don't give yourself anything. And so you're tired. And so... You can't even fight back. Like, your enemy is yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. What ways do you remember back then, like, whether they feel, like, healthy or unhealthy now? Like, what ways did you use to kind of, like, cope with that back then? Um, like, cope with the exhaustion and everything? Kind of cope with, you say, like, hating your body so much. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm tentative to talk about it on this, but I'm happy, like, I don't mind it being on. Um, but I just, I, I want a huge disclaimer, like that it is a trigger for a lot of people, but I, I self-injured a lot on the spots that I didn't like. So Mm -hmm. I would physically take a knife to, um, actually scissors to, um, the spots that I really, that I hated the most. And this was like, that went on for so long. That went on until I was in my twenties. Oh, I mean, I'm still in my 20s, but <laughs> 25, 300 months. Oh, man. That just like hurts me to hear. I can't, I just like can't imagine the pain you were feeling in that moment. And like, that's what feels like what take, 
it away. I want to like hug little me. Like <laughs> me too. Like, it just like it, it breaks my heart. Like I'm tearing up a little bit just thinking of like, you know, because so I I work for this you know ranch now and um and I work with teenage girls primarily and sometimes I hear things like that because the, at the ranch like no one. You are never told you're too big for anything with the exception of, like, there's one horse that can't be ridden by anyone over a certain weight. But it's a low weight, so it's fine. Yeah. But, like, you're never made to feel like you're too big there. Like, you're told to be as big as you need to be. And that's it. And you're made – I mean, I I always say that we make people feel like they are a mile high. Like, they're they're that tall. So hearing sometimes, like, I'll overhear conversations where they are – talking about like even their doctors oh my gosh uh one of them talks about her doctor will regularly tell her she needs to like lose weight she's a healthy kid she literally looks like a kid who has health like that's what she looks like and it drives me crazy I'm like where is your doctor getting this like and I don't want to say you know because I'm not a doctor but there it really doesn't make sense to me because she is extremely capable and strong. I just don't understand. And I know because I had doctors that were that way. I know there are some doctors that are still fat phobic. Like Mm -hmm. we live in a fat phobic world. And so it's great because they don't ever have to feel that way when they come, come to our, like come to the ranch. And the other thing that is really important to me is I never ever speak in a way that would ever make them feel that way. In fact, I, I, I mentioned recently that I was losing weight because I currently am in the process of doing so, um, but out of a really healthy mindset, and it's kind of a side effect, and it's uh, we can get into that, but that's part of this like journey of recovery from this specific eating disorder. Um, but I, I I mentioned something about like oh yeah you know I would have to like lose a little weight before I could do this thing, and it's something that logistically wouldn't work at the poundage that I have right now. But at the same time, you know, you have to be like mindful, but I said something, I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to do that once I lose a little bit of weight and I'm not, and then I immediately, it was like, please do not read that. <laughs> you know, I'm like very adamant to them. I'm like, never, ever read that as me saying I'm anything but happy with who I am and what I look like. I am so happy with that. And they were like laughing because I do this to them all the time. Anytime anyone brings up like weight or weight limits or something like that, I'm I am so I'll turn and be like listen (laughs) (laughs) you guys are perfect you're doing great you are strong y'all can throw hay I don't ever want to hear you ever speak bad about yourselves don't say it out loud and it's going to come out of your brain less too like it it starts by stopping it out your mouth and I said if you need to talk through it we can but I will never ever ever glorify even my own weight loss in front of them and that's why like I've been apprehensive about sharing the journey I'm on now because because it's it's a tedious situation. I I never want to glorify that, but if it's what somebody needs for their personal health, then like that's a different situation. And for me, it happens to be what I needed. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think that's really incredible that you are so open and whatnot about that with the girls on the ranch. I think that we need more people, I guess, pushing extra hard in the other direction because the norm right now is the fat phobia, diet culture, a million weight loss pills. And like, that's where the worth is. So I think it's good that we're like being extra loud on the other side of that. Well, and you and me might've been raised feeling like we had to be small, but I will be damned if the girls 
letter growing up right now hear that from me. Yeah. And I will sing that, you know, to the rooftops. And even, you know, I talked to, um, I talked to Nick recently actually, because he'd seen a friend of mine that looked like she lost some weight and he was like, Oh, good for her. And I said, what do you mean? Good for her. (laughs) But he's so sweet because he doesn't know. I mean, he didn't know, like when I explained it, I was really actually nice about it, but I was like kind of joking with him. I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, I'm just saying, I was like, you know, it is really harmful sometimes for like for if me to for me to hear that and like fortunately I'm at a place where that doesn't super offend me or beat me up but at a certain time in my life that would have been like well I need to stop eating <laughs> and yeah. also you don't know that that person lost weight because they weren't eating it's the same thing as asking if someone's pregnant don't ask them unless they bring it up or unless they're holding a baby <laughs> like you don't ask someone if they're pregnant you never know the circumstances of that situation ever oh yeah it's insane to me like reflecting back on kind of the different places in my life where my eating disorder was like louder or how that kind of grew to be a thing. It's crazy to me how the smallest things seemingly can trigger so much in a person. Like these comments that I can't believe I remember from like the age of like eight years old or like 12 or like these passing things or these thoughts or something anyone would say. Like it's just... It's really crazy how that messes with our heads, and that's just, it's just so sad. It's really sad, but it's like, I also like to think when with the sad things, like these things that are really sad, they are sad, but we are becoming aware of them. Us knowing they're sad means we're aware of them, and being aware of them means we can step in and make a change in them, at least in our lives and at least in the people around us's lives. And it's basic behavior modification, like, you know, when someone says, like, if you were to, like, lose a lot of weight, right, and somebody's like, wow, you're looking really good. So if you're losing that weight because you're just, like, eating lots of things that are nourishing your body, and somebody says you look really good, you're going to be like, wow, I'm going to eat more things that are nourishing my body. But if some, if you're starving yourself and someone goes, wow, you, Jackie, you look really good. It's not behavior modification. It's like basic psychology. You're going to keep doing the thing that is giving you the response that you wanted. Like that's Mm -hmm. how we function as – that's how animals function. And so like you get that desired response and you keep doing the thing that was working. And like that's how it gets ingrained. That's why I never tell someone that they look really good after they lost weight because that's also something that's ingrained in our minds of – that equals good. I personally think that having a little like chub on you looks amazing. I think it rounds out your features. It makes you look a little less wrinkly sometimes. <laughs> like I think for some people, myself included, it looks physically more attractive. Yeah. But we no. don't ever get to think that growing up. Yeah. It's kind of like there's just this one specific way it is and that everyone else is wrong. And that's bullshit. Right. So – I love I love this conversation. Yes, um, me too. Yeah. So tell me more tell me more about the ranch, about like so you said before that when you that was kind of when you realized you needed to eat more was them finally commenting or like the people at the ranch being the ones to like step up and be like, "Hey, we want you to eat more food." Or or how did that go? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I was suffering with like anorexia at the time, but I was doing that binge thing where I would spend all day like not eating and then I'd eat everything. Um, 
And um, I would use, like, the ranch as an excuse a lot. And um, and that was not, no fault of their own, but it was just kind of my brain. I was like, well, I'm busy, so I don't have time to eat. And it became, like, this, like, badge of honor. I didn't have time to eat today. Um, and so they started bringing me snacks. Like, um, Amy, who is, like, my mom – I joke all the time she's my mom friend because, like – she always would be like, oh, I have snacks in the car. And I'm sure there are things that she carried for, like, her kids because she has, you know, a few kids. And But, like, I, if I said, like, oh, my gosh, I haven't eaten, they're like, you need to eat. And they'd be like, we'll go, we'll go get you something to eat right now. Like, if I mentioned I hadn't eaten, it was important to them that I did. Yeah. And um, that was really great. That was a good start. Unfortunately, I took it to the extreme, um, which is something I've done for years. Like when I was a kid, I used to eat like an entire, you know, those like giant, giant boxes of goldfish. Yes. I would eat an entire box of flavor blasted goldfish. Those are good though. They're so good. <laughs> they're so good. Um, they're still you. my weakness. But then I'd, and I'd hide them under my bed. And I, my mom made me this like princess in the pea bed. My dad and mom like made it together and like built this bed for me that when you walked upstairs and stuff like that to get to it. But underneath it, it had all this storage space. And I would put just like all the wrappers of things I'd eaten because I didn't want people to know just how much I'd eaten. Mm. And like hiding what you have eaten is also a really not great trait when you're a kid. Like that's a that's a pretty clear sign that you might be having some really uh, negative, in, like, uh, environmental factors yeah. around your eating and around your health and all of that. And, like, so realizing that was a huge thing. That was one of the things that really tipped me off when I was watching that show. And, um, and I... I actually called my sister and she remembered all of that and said she was kind of just like waiting for me to realize it as well. And then, and she's a nutritionist too. And then, um, my, I told my mom about it at some point and she was like, you know, it's funny. She'd always thought I was just lazy and just like, didn't want to throw away my trash, but that wasn't it. I didn't want anyone to know what I'd eaten. It was always food trash specifically. Oh, that just breaks my heart because that must have bred so much shame in you because it's like you're building this secret world. This one therapist I had forever ago told me that like it's like we build these like eating disorder empires beneath the ground and no one else knows about it and it's just the most shameful lonely feeling ever. I I love the mental image of me like (laughs) traveling into the depths of this like hellscape where everything's made of trash of food. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just—it's really dark, but it's kind of funny. I like almost want to write a book about it. <laughs> oh, do it, man! Do it. Like a horrifying children's book of. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> we'll make a new insatiable show. All the flavor blasted goldfish boxes that I walk through. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious, dude. So, so tell me what it looks like now for you. Like you mentioned before that you're feeling like you're in the best place you've been in a while as far as like relationship with your body. Like what has gotten you there? What what was kind of like the transition process in that happening? Like what are helpful things that you've found that have kind of brought you back to connection with yourself? So show. So <laughs> um so the first thing and this these are a lot of these things are gonna sound at first like not what you want to promote on this. Um but I'm going to explain it. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> First off, I got plastic surgery. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. That's so, hilarious. For some background, for not you, but the people listening to us eventually. <laughs> um, so I had very large boobs and <laughs> what cup they, size? Were, they were size, they were H's. Mm. And I um hated them so much. And so like I I can't even explain. It was almost like after the surgery, it was like this like dark cloud had been lifted over my head that had been there for years. And when I was in high school, I um because I got a breast reduction, that's the surgery. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I was in high school, I was like in musicals, and even then we knew like I had huge boobs and they were awful and they were out of proportion. And then the more I gained weight in college and everything, they became more out of proportion and they got to a point where they were so big. Sorry, I thought I think there I thought there was a bug in my room. They got <laughs> to a point where they were so big that I couldn't do anything. So like I haven't run even now um cuz I'm still really recovering, but I haven't run in 5 years and it's not because I wouldn't want to. I hated running as a kid. I'd probably love running now, who knows. Um and I want to try. I know that, but for 5 years it's been extremely painful if I've ever tried. And people always say like, well, you can try this bra or you can try this thing. I went to six months of physical therapy. I'd go to a chiropractor. I mean, I try. I, I wore I wore several bras at once. I wore bras so tight that my lungs were constricted and I couldn't breathe. Ooh. And I actually was having really bad um, asthma for years. And I haven't had any asthma issues since the surgery, but who knows? It could be unrelated. I think it's possible that it is related. Um, when I slept, I'd lay down on my back and my boobs would move up to my neck and it'd actually choke me. So I'd have to sleep in a very specific position and I just wasn't sleeping. I couldn't ever sleep. Um, wow. So it was like, even if I tried to be healthy, I couldn't be because I wasn't sleeping and I couldn't move. And you know, people would always like joke about how I was like blessed or well endowed. And I'm like, Honestly, like y'all don't understand. And it would, it would be so, I remember somebody said at work one time, like a comment about, because I'd been trying to get the surgery for years and I was trying to get it covered by insurance and in theory it should have been. And then they fell through at the last minute and it was this whole bureaucratic thing that was insane. And I probably could have figured it out if I'd been willing to wait another year and I couldn't wait another year. I did not want another year like this. Yeah. And, um, but somebody said at work when, like, the first time that insurance fell through, somebody made a comment, um, poorly timed comment about how they just wouldn't even know what to do with someone like me in bed. Oh my. Okay. It I was, need to know who this person Yeah, was. you would never expect because they're genuinely the kindest person. And please tell me later. Yeah, would never, ever, ever say anything. Um, like that intentionally trying to hurt me but it was like kind of a joke but it's like people don't realize like it wasn't funny to me like the people joked all the time oh my gosh can you like save some for me like when you get the surgery it wasn't funny like none of that was funny to me it was I was tired of those jokes like I'd heard them all a million times and people like it was like okay so here's the other thing too so I I was watching RuPaul's Drag Race and they were talking about how like queens who wear breastplates it's like they add you know 50 pounds onto them and it's like you know it just wasn't I didn't like it wasn't fair it was like I didn't look like 
proportional. If I wore a big t-shirt, it hung way off the front of me. If I wore something tight, I stopped traffic. I never could like just wear a sports bra. It's fun fact. That's all I wear anymore. I just wear bras. I don't even wear a shirt. <laughs> ever freedom. i will never wear a shirt again <laughs> <laughs> perfect that's what i assumed would happen freedom is the name of the game jackie you know this oh, yeah but um yeah no never wear. i'm wearing a sports bra right now i'm just wearing a bra and i'm wearing a um not to be weird and be like want to hear what i'm wearing but um <laughs> i'm wearing literally a bra and like a big flowy robe and matching shorts i got for myself for my birthday and i just look really bougie like um I like to, like, at home, I like to dress like I'm, like, a rich, white, um, <laughs> elderly woman on a cruise ship that, elderly. like, drinks, oh drinks oh out of, um, like, those, like, glass bottles. Like, you know, that's what I want. And, like, has, like, several lovers. Like, that's what I want to dress several. like. Please several. send me a picture of this after this podcast. I will. I wish Nick was still here to, to, to really uh, capture the moment, but I'll, I'll figure it out because I really want to pose and everything because it's okay. just, it, it requires a pose. But anyway, I'll um, use it to post to your podcast. <laughs> I'll use it as the picture. <laughs> I'm really going to do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, um, but yeah, so long story short, I hated them so much and it was ruining everything in my life. And then quarantine happened and the surgery was pushed back like what three times? Yeah, and, it was a lot. Yeah, and you—I mean, you heard because you know we generally communicated. You're probably one of the friends I've communicated with the most in all of this, mm-hmm. and um, and I, it kept getting pushed back. And there was one point where it got pushed back, and I had a panic attack so bad we thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. Um, in a Bass Pro Shop parking lot. <laughs> oh no, not the place. So to there's have a, a bunch of like I don't know, maybe white supremacists walking around. <laughs> Pull your shit together. I'm That's like, this is not thinking. the place. I know they're like, oh no, a woman with emotions. But um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> no, it's okay. I actually really love Bass Pro Shop. Okay, for the record, <laughs> I really love Bass Pro Shop. I do. You were there at archery, and they. They, I was buying like uh, arrows from them, and the guy in the archery shop is this like sweet elderly man who like knows me now because he knows me as the mounted archery girl who always has bruises on her arm from my bow. Oh so my God. we're about he's to get precious. sponsored. I know. I hope so. I hope Bass Pro Shop's <laughs> your first sponsorship, and it's like Bass Pro Shop, not oh full of white supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I'm gonna hashtag him. We'll see if it happens. Please do. But um, anyway, yeah, so I had this panic attack that was, like, really horrific, and, like, we were really scared. We called Amy because she's a nurse, and we're like, oh, my God, please help. I'm, like, freaking out. And, like, in retrospect, it's funny because it was, like, at Bass Pro Shop, but at the time – I mean, we thought I was, I was, I, I, I kept saying, I was like, I'm going to die. Like, I thought oh, I was going to die. That's so and real. It was so scary because it was like, it was right when I'd gotten the call and I just, I, and I'd already been going through a lot that day and I just buckled mm. and was just devastated. And, um, so finally getting the surgery, like it literally changed my heart. Like it. I could sleep again. I could lay down. I, every day I would like see myself in the mirror and want to cry because it was like, and I still, I'm like tearing up again. I still like see myself in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, oh my God, like it worked and I did it and I had to pay for it myself, (laughs) but I did it. 
And, um, you know, I have it on credit, but it was total, like, almost $10,000. And so part of it was, like, so I got this surgery that was so life-changing, but it cost me $10,000. So I'd officially invested in my body financially, and I'd really kind of mentally then invested in my body because I um, I had – basic i mean I, I haven't been able to like ride horses i'm riding again today for the first time Woo! and i know i'm so excited but i can't like trot or canter and you know me i love to do a good yeehaw gallop and oh yeah i can't do that for a while i can't do mounted archery can't jump so all the things i really love to do i haven't been able to do and then like my birthday was yesterday i couldn't you know go hiking i can't i'm able to swim like all these mm-hmm. things that i really really would have loved to do i can't do And Mm -hmm. it's this sacrifice I've had to make to my body. But also, like, you know, I haven't been able to move and exercise for years before now without pain. And so now I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to move and exercise. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see, like, what my body can do now that it's not – it literally has a weight off its chest. Like, it's – it's, I can do so much. I actually got a little like device that attaches to my back and helps my posture because mm-hmm. I want to retrain my muscles to be able to like hold me up because they don't have to hold up so much anymore that they're just like given up. And I'm like basically spending all this time like retraining my body to understand what it's like to like have freedom. And like I said, I only ever wear bras anymore, but sometimes I do put on like a sh- shorts or a shirt or a dress or something like that, that I might've never worn before, like, or worn one time and been heartbroken and decided, well, I'm never going to wear that again because it looked so bad on my boobs. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Like, it's like I have a, it's like I went shopping and I don't even, I didn't, I kind of did go shopping as well, but <laughs> I had to buy new bras and then I just bought a million other things too that I've Which never gotten to wear. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm the bralette queen now. I'm never never going to wear underwire again. Underwire is a trap, y'all. Underwire is jail. Don't wear underwire. <laughs> don't wear a bra at all, in fact. I, oh, the only yeah. reason I am is because I have to, but once I don't have to, whew. Just free those things. No, no. I'm a free boob all the time. I am mm-hmm. so excited about that. But, um, but yeah, so I, t- I really invested all of these things by, by finally taking this, like, making this choice to prioritize and budget so that I could take care of myself, I'd invested. And that was kind of the first step. So the first couple of weeks, I I would just sit and eat all day and I would binge um, because I was stuck in my house. I couldn't move and I hated that I couldn't like go ride horses or anything. Um, they gave me like a sheet that I'm really glad they gave me. My, my surgeon's incredible. Um, and their office gave me a sheet of paper that kind of like outlined what I might deal with emotionally after surgery and it was like it showed this like roller coaster of depression and sadness and anxiety and I was like I never felt any of that but I did want to be able to do the things I wanted to do because I don't think a lot of the people who get plastic surgery are you know galloping horses on the regular like I was yeah so it sucked (laughs) because and it still sucks because you know it's like I I can't gallop for even a while like I think this Friday is four weeks so then I'll have four weeks after that Oh, but wow. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it was that long. <laughs> it's that long, Jackie. It's oh, the worst. Geez. But I did think it wasn't until August. So I'm happy to hear it's at least like at the end of June. 
Yes. Oh, that's when I'll be back in Nashville. Perfect. Well, then we can gallop yes. around. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was the first thing. And then I also like, I downloaded or I looked into this app that I had found before my surgery. And then it said like, you need to be really committed. And I was like, I'm about to get plastic surgery. So I can't commit to anything right now. And um, it was funny because like, so I am super anti-diet culture. I know you are too. Like, I am so anti-counting calories and restriction. Well, no. Okay, let me rephrase that. I'm anti-restriction. I was anti-counting calories. But I realized, and I've always said, like, when I got when I got diagnosed with binge eating disorder, I was like, well, how do you even fix it? And I started taking the um, – I started doing a workbook for binge eating disorder. It was like, okay, you're going to have to be mindful about what you eat. So you have to, like, you know, like ca- – like, log everything you eat. You have to be like super aware of everything you're putting in your body. And then I like closed the book and said, no. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, a lot, I don't know anyone. Well, I, okay. I quote unquote, don't know anyone with binge eating disorder in starting to share my story. I know a lot more people than I thought. And actually I think a lot of people realized that they had it and hearing me share it. And that's why I'm like, maybe I should talk about this. But um, so basically I downloaded this app. I started using it. They have like an actual health coach that kind of like cheers you on and is really great with it's like they're not ever like shaming you for anything. It's all just like talking about putting good things in your body. You actually have to take quizzes on the mental health part of eating every day. Mm. So I've just been at least five minutes like being quizzed on like why do I eat the way I do and like what is a positive thing I can in, in, in like introduce into my life and into my eating habits. And it's really great. And I started just seeing like this really great difference in my body even though I was like counting calories, which I was like, ugh, I hate it. But I used um, – I know like a lot of people have used MyFitnessPal and um, – uh, they always gave me 1,200 calories I could eat a day, which, like, knowing that's, what I know now no. about food, that's oh my not real. God. That, like, makes me very angry. It, they do so that for real. They do that for, like, everyone, Jackie. I had a friend who is, like, a few inches smaller than me, like, shorter than me, and she told me, we were talking about this yesterday, she gets 1,200 calories to eat a day. Yeah. Like, and she, and I, I'm also really active. Like, I mean, not right now because I'm, you know, I'm recovering from surgery, but <laughs> you can't give somebody who is like working that hard 1,200 calories they get to eat a day and then just call it, call it even, say, yep, that's it. That's what you get. Good job. High yeah. five. No. And so I, I, I was kind of like, when I realized they did like calorie counting on this app, I was like, oh, I'm ready to fight someone. And then it turned out that they gave me like a lot more than that. I So much so that like I have felt, I've never once felt like I'm restricting on any given day. All it's done is it's like, okay, I actually have to be able to like visualize and see at the end of the day how much I've eaten. And you know, like I wanted, I wanted my healing journey to be like yours. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted my healing journey to be, like, oh, my gosh, releasing myself from all of these, like, you know, things I always believed. And I wanted it to be, like, I get to say, wow, I, I get to encourage myself to eat things. But the problem is, like, we're not the same people and we don't have the same disease. Uh-huh. And so what was happening was I was letting, like, not you specifically, but, like, just the world and their current liberation from 
healthy eating. <laughs> yeah. Like I was letting it enable me to use food to abuse my body. I was able to justify hurting myself with food in a whole new way. Yeah. And it made me put on a lot of weight and like that's fine, but I also wasn't able to like move. I couldn't, you know, walk up the hill at the ranch without like huffing and puffing. I still can't, but you know, (laughs) it's a big hill. hill. I can't either. (laughs) But you know, I couldn't like go for a a long walk without huffing and puffing. Like I wasn't taken care of. I mean, it's like just as damaging. I I relate in this way of like through my treatment journey, they had us on these different meal plans where they like mapped out exactly like what amount of each fuel group they called like I don't know what they're actually called because I've been like programmed to say it in this treatment center way now. Um, A fuel group is like a starch or like a protein. So it's kind Um, of like a food pyramid, but makes more sense. Yeah. They, they, they say it in this way where it's like, cause like the whole point and from what I'm getting from what you're saying as well is like to take like the moral value off of food. Like at the end of the day, our body needs these things and you're not a good or bad person if you eat four pieces of pizza but yes. what does your body actually like need i don't know just having that free i want to say freedom but honestly just knowing what it is that our bodies need because i mean from my experience in like eating disorder world it's like i feel like what i'm supposed to eat a day is so foreign to me like it just I don't know. And so it was really helpful for me for someone to just lay it out like this is exactly what you need for breakfast. Yes. This is snack. This is lunch. This is snack. This exactly. is dinner. Exactly. And so for me to just know like, okay, like this is like they called it like that was like our baseline for like this is what your body needs just to survive the day. And anything outside of that like is just it's what are you craving? What are you needing? Like because apparently like our cravings apparently are telling us a lot about things that our body's lacking, which I didn't know. Yeah. Like, um, like one of the big ones is like salts. What is it? Like when you're really craving salt, it means you're like thirsty or something like that. Like things that you like, it's just your body is, you wouldn't even think that they're connected, but then it makes sense when you realize like the genetic or like not genetic, but the chemical makeup of whatever it is. Mm. Yeah. It's super interesting. Just like our bodies. I think like my biggest takeaway from all that is to just know that like our bodies are really smart and they really know what we need and trying to fit into some my fitness pal 1200 calories a day thing it just it's not it's insane it's just not real taking away ever feeling bad it's more just like I feel physically good because I ate this food today like Mm -hmm. and then the other big thing that I've I've really applied to this too and I've been very adamant you know because like Nick and I are very like communicative well I'm very communicative to him on um like what I need him to be in this journey like what I need him to like say to support me and not to like trigger me right Uh and um because I'm very passionate about like it's okay to have a mental illness but like you do need to do the work to be able to at least either like work on your negative side effects or also like or like work on your negative um symptoms or also um work on communicating what you need in the situations where you might be, you know, panicking or freaking out. And so I communicated to him far ahead of time. I was like, listen, I never want you to tell me you you look good 
like, because you lost weight or something like that. Like, and he obviously totally understood that because he's great and, like, listens and is amazing. But the one thing I did tell him was I was like, I probably am going to lose some weight. But I have no, like, number that I'm trying to get to. I My number I'm trying to get to is eating healthy food and taking care of myself. This is the weight I am. Mm-hmm. And feeling good and, like, you know, feeling good and, and being healthy, the weight that I'm at, that's whatever I'm happy to have. Mm-hmm. And that could be, like, you know, anything. And you know, doing what I'm doing right now, not feeling restricted, like all these, a lot of times, like, I actually am like, oh my gosh, I still have more food to eat today (laughs) because they have, um, you have to get to a certain amount too, which my fitness pal doesn't do. But I always am like, oh my gosh, I'm, I still need to eat more food today. Crap. I'm going to go eat like a bunch of carrots. I don't know. (laughs) I'm always like, what do I eat? Like, I guess I'm going to go have some potato chips. Like, and and it's kind of funny how, you know, that part of it works out. But I, I do think that, like, you know, if losing weight is what my body does when I am taking care of it, fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. If gaining weight is what my body does when I take care of it, fine. If staying, like, the plateau, the quote-unquote plateau, when people are always like, well, I plateaued. It drives me crazy when people, like, talk about that, like they're trying to break through it. Because most of the time, it's just your body being like, cool, I'm happy now. Like, Yeah, it's like your set point. Yeah, it's your body being like, this is what I'm comfortable at. But we like to think about like BMI and all these numbers that are supposed to be universal uh-uh. as if all of our bodies <laughs> and genetics and blood types, your blood type changes the food that your body handles, mm. especially proteins. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I just found that out because my blood type likes tofu, seafood. Those are all the things I love. Oh, that's good. That's I enough. know. Let's go fishing. I know. Great. Let's seriously. I'm not even yeah. joking. Let's go fishing. Dang. And go to well, Bass I, Pro Shops. Yeah, let's go to Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a Bass Pro Shop, so it's time I checked what? it out. Okay, they sell fudge, Jackie. Why do they sell fudge? <laughs> <laughs> is that like a new fishing no, bait? I don't sell understand. So many things. Bass Pro Shop is like huge. Okay, we gotta go to Bass Pro Shop. Like okay. I love Bass Pro Shop. We used to go in Texas. Like it, I had a class called outdoor education, and part of the class was we'd have to go and do a. Uh, um, it's like such a Texas thing. We'd have to <laughs> do a, a scavenger hunt at Bass Pro Shop, and then we'd all get fudge and eat it on the bus ride home. Oh my god! Can we do that exact thing? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh good. My god. That exact activity is my request for when I get back. <laughs> Yes. And this is, I feel like this is partially me like updating you on all this stuff because I haven't yeah, gotten to tell is. you about it. <laughs> great. This, this is mainly for me. Like, me being like, I want to tell my friend Jackie. And also oh it's recorded and people are going to hear it and it's immortalized. But oh, there yeah. might be like, the thing is, there might be people that are like me that were like, what do I do? I've had all these different things I was told to do and not do. And oh my God, it's like, I just, I'm just going to keep abusing my body with food. And then, you mm. know, like, then I got surgery and I was like now I paid a lot of money (laughs) I'm a little bit less rich I I have invested (laughs) oh my gosh no I think that's awesome honestly whatever it is that makes you feel connected to yourself and free and like just not ashamed like whatever comes out of this thing like I don't know you were talking about earlier about how you had to like give up 
I guess movement type things right now, like our exercise. We're supposed to call exercise movement. That's <laughs> Treatment. Fine, so because I'm like, I don't consider horses an exercise. Oh my gosh. I like <laughs> I feel like I'm trained to talk of this very specific no, eating but disorder it's treatment. Because there's place probably way. a lot of people who like are listening or will listen who like don't look at it that way anyway. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Like and share so, like, the gospel. Absolutely. <laughs> So basically, like, when you were talking about having to give up these certain things right now, like, in the recovery process, and then how you're really excited to be able to do them again, like, ride horses or go running afterwards, that yes. just reminded me so much of, like, all throughout treatment, all this stuff was taken away from me. A lot of, like, movement-type things, or I just didn't have time to write or time to make, like, my video. Any of these things that, like, I so desperately wanted to do and, like, was so sad about losing— but then at the end of treatment, I started to realize I'm about to get to do all these things, but with like a nourished brain and like less shame and like this whole new mindset on everything. And it just, when you're saying that, it made me very emotional. So I wanted to touch back on it. No, absolutely. Well, yeah. and, and like, so I'm part of me is excited to get back into writing. I know it's going to be a challenge at first because you have to have like a really specific muscle set. But here's, this is the thing that I really love about writing is that, I like obsessively am like, oh, time to do my wall sits. And it's not because I'm like, I want to have tight abs. It's like, I want to sit in two point. Like it's, it's not about like, it's because I want to physically do something with my body. And that should be what exercise is for. Like, it shouldn't be about making yourself look a specific way. It should be about like, or trimming yourself down and making yourself smaller. It should be about making yourself feel larger than life. And oh, like, yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And I, I always have loved that about horses. It's unsustainable as well to, like, only do it for an image. And I think some people, like, that becomes kind of their thing. And, like, I don't know, good for them if they're really happy. I can't speak on their personal experiences, but I don't know that I would be. But, like, and I know that I wasn't in the times where I was trying to do that. But, like, for horses specifically, I saw a picture, and I think I've shown it to you. I saw a picture of me, um, and this is before I got surgery. Um, there was a day that I had first started doing, like, the mounted archery stuff. And then I saw a, the same picture, like, a picture from two years ago. I'm sorry. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know that that meme of that kid who's like, and then I said at the Baha'i, and then I, and then I said the thing, and then and I went through the thing, and then said the place the thing. I oh feel like God. that kid sometimes when I talk. Um, oh, yeah. It's great. It's a great look. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I, so I think I saw this picture the same day I first tried mounted archery. I saw this picture from two years ago that like showed up on my Facebook and it was like, look at your memory from two years ago. And it was me in a kickboxing class and it was a 30 minute class, not even an hour. <laughs> And I was dead on the ground. And I remembered thinking, like, I'm going to die during like during the thing. I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this. This is the worst. Ugh. And I remember just really hating everything about that stupid kickboxing class. And um, oh, sorry. Okay. And then I had the same picture, these pictures from two years later of me two and a half hours into a ride galloping Finn and shooting an arrow off of him and I was using all these muscles like you know I've I don't know if it was you but I've pointed it out to someone recently like all the different muscles it takes to do that mm. 
in that moment, I mean, balance alone, because you're not using your hands to hold the horse. And so, cause you're shooting and like all of these core muscles. And I could have kept doing that for hours until someone told me to stop. And so it really just made me think about, first of all, how in that first picture, the picture from two years ago, I was really skinny. And I was like, wow, so funny how being skinny does not mean you're healthy. Like people Mm -hmm. all think like, oh, well, you know, like I'm just worried about your health. That's what people like to say about about people who have – who have weight on them. Um, They like to say, I'm worried about your health. And it's like, no, you're not because you don't know the science. And and besides, you're not my doctor. Mm -hmm. Like you don't get to be worried about my health. And not only that, but like for the most part, those of us who are like, you know, we got the, we got the, I'm I'm finding like a hundred different ways to just say basically fat as if fat is a bad word and it's not. Like those of us who are fat and I'm not, in all, at all saying that in a derogatory way. That used to be the only word that could possibly hurt me. And now it's like one of the most liberating things to be able to call myself. People like to say that they're trying to help us for our health. But when I was skinnier, I was, I was like, I couldn't do anything <laughs> at all. And now I'm doing these incredible things. I'm like spending an entire day throwing hay and then galloping a horse like into the sunset and shooting arrows off of it and jumping. And like, I could literally do it all day mm-hmm. without any stopping until someone tells me you need to stop. And it's because like my body is happy, you know, like I'm not taking anything away from myself. And then also because the thing that I'm doing is something I love. And this is something I tell people all the time. If you are having a really hard time finding like a workout, you know, routine, if like exercise, quote unquote, or movement is something you're trying to incorporate into your life, don't do a bunch of things you don't like. Try a bunch of things and maybe you'll really love one. Like people Mm -hmm. are always shocked to hear that I hate yoga. And I just do. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal, it's but fun. I hate yoga. And like people will be like, well, you may, you haven't done it right. No, I've done it right. Like, <laughs> trust <laughs> me, I've tried it. I've tried hot yoga. I used to teach yoga t- classes to my oh. high school theater group. Like, I was like a yogi. Like, it's not that I haven't done it right or haven't haven't tried it in just the right way. That's like me telling someone like, well, have you considered me? Like, that'd be like, like seeing someone who's like, it's like, okay, you know what it's like? It's like guys who tell lesbians, well, maybe you just haven't met the right, the right guy. Oh my God. Like, go away. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Why do you open your mouth? Oh no. (laughs) It's not that. I know what I like. And like, so anyway, like people always try to think, well, maybe you like kickboxing. Come to my kickboxing class with me. And for years I was doing all these things that I hated and then wondering why I was burnt out so quickly when I would say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and lift weights for, you know, 30 minutes a day, every day this month, this week, even though like lifting weights is boring to me. Yeah. What just happened? I just dropped something. I don't know what it is, but. Oh, it was my deodorant. It's fine. Eh, who needs but yeah. deodorant? <laughs> no one. That's <laughs> no a whole one. other thing. No, just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> <Let's> go there. <laughs> oh, no. 
use aluminum free. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway. There you go. But yeah, I, I, uh, I just am like, it's just do the thing you love. Damn it. Yeah. Stop doing things you hate so you look pretty. Like this is, it's oh, so yeah. stupid. I don't understand. And there's got to be something you like to do that requires you to get out of bed. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> that's so real. And we talked so much about that in treatment as well as far as like, like the question that really got me because the whole four months I was trying to figure out if I actually enjoyed running or if it was just something I was doing to earn food or to change my body in some kind of way. Yeah. And we talked about this and I remember I even was like, that was the day that we were going up that hill and you were like, oh, I'll run up and get it for you. And I said, no, you won't. We'll walk up together. (laughs) But you're not like, no. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like, it's such a different way of thinking about it because no one, I feel like, thinks this way. It's like a question that um, that they asked me that really put it in a pr- into perspective. And they were like, would you run if it had absolutely zero impact on your body? Like, would you still do it? Like, what would you do if it had zero impact on your body image? Or like, what would your day look like if you didn't care at all about body image and stuff. And so like that in mind, thinking of like, would I still go running? Like what else do I get from it other than that? Or would I still like lift weights or this or that? And it brought so much into perspective for me of like, why, if you don't like doing that, why are you doing it? And it sounds so simple, but it's so real. And like, I just found that like in running or in different exercises that I genuinely did not enjoy. I was just doing it to try to shape and mold and change my body in these ways that it's just not supposed to be. Like that was just me actively, it's a strong thing to say, but it felt like it was actively like abusing myself. It is. And that's what it is. Like you call it what it is. Yeah. Like, and so it's abuse. Yeah. And it's just like this active disconnection. I was like, I was seeing my body as this separate thing from me that I was ashamed of and I needed to change it versus like being in my body and being like, what feels good? Oh, this doesn't feel good. Maybe I won't do that. Oh, does my body need to rest? Okay, I'll rest. Does it like moving this quickly? Maybe it needs to stretch. It's like, it's a totally, completely different way to do life. Yeah. And it's like, I used to always say like, I won't even run if someone's chasing me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. But then I did, couldn't run for five years, so oh, no. <laughs> my feelings changed. But they changed oh, about three years into the five years. That For the past two years, I've been like, oh, no, I might kind of – but it's it's also, for me, like, I'll, I only want to run or even walk if it's, like, a beautiful view. Like, I don't want to walk around my neighborhood. Yeah. I have no desire to do that. But I would love to walk around, like, a pretty park. Yeah. Or bike no. around a pretty park. Absolutely. Oh, dude, that's awesome. What are other strategies that you have that make you feel really connected to your body or that if you feel like you're starting to disconnect from yourself to kind of like bring yourself back? Like what are things that have you found helpful? Well, um, definitely the horses. Um, like the great thing about horses is that they're all based around mindfulness and like what we do with them is based around mindfulness as well. And, um, so like, you know, you're actually using muscles in your body. And I like to often like just notice and be mindful of like, what muscles am I using right now? And like, or even sometimes like I have, um, actually have a, uh, I have a lot of like little coping mechanisms I have set up for myself for moments of like difficulty. Mm-hmm. And I used to, when I was younger, I used to keep like a, um, folder in my phone of like pictures where I looked really skinny. Um, so I could always look at those and be like, wow, that's what I'm aspiring to. Um, 
I don't do that anymore. Okay, good. Uh, like, that's not what I do. That's not okay. what I do. Um, I actually uh, recently deleted that folder and I changed it. So now I have a folder of pictures where I'm doing something that requires so much muscle and strength that I built mm. myself. And you can't look at yourself, you know, galloping a horse with your arms open wide and say like, oh, I'm a weak person or my body doesn't do anything for me. Like, you know, even when I had my boobs, because these are all pictures from when I had my big boobs, it's like, even then my body was like fighting for me. And, um, so that's one thing that I keep around. And then often like, I don't, I know, I think you and I have talked about like, um, removing yourself from like your body. So like taking, like, (laughs) I know that sounds contradictory, like connect by removing yourself, but like taking, instead of like talking about yourself to yourself, talking about yourself to like five-year-old you. So like there's like Mm -hmm. little Jackie standing there in front of you or little Sierra standing there in front of me. And would you be saying like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you ate a piece of cake today. You are useless. Like it's your fault that you can't whatever. Like, no, you wouldn't. You're five. Like you're adorable. Like you can't. And, and, or even like, on another way of like, would you say that to me? Like, could I look you in the eye and say, Jackie, I can't believe you ate so much today. Absolutely not. I would never say that. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, most of the time I'm like, eat your dinner. (laughs) I think (laughs) I literally yelled that at you on the phone a few days ago. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go eat dinner. And I was like, Jackie. (laughs) And I need it. So keep it up. (laughs) Yeah. And I will keep doing that, especially because it's like, you know, it's, really easy to and people say this all the time but it's like constantly making it a habit of like speaking to your body or speaking to yourself as if you are your childhood self because you are like your inner child is constant like in between behind every difficult moment or victory is the little childhood you learning about the world around them you don't you don't you're not born with opinions for the most part like you're born with very little feelings or fears or opinions, except what's ingrained genetically. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and there's science behind that as well. And then everything else is added on. Like, I'm, I wasn't born with a fear of bees, but now I really hate them because I got stung by a bee. Ugh. So, you know, asshole. when I say, right, he was jerk, but <laughs> the real assholes were my cousins who told me to go and open the um, giant box of toys that definitely had a bee nest in it. That um, was nice of them. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. I was the youngest. It was, I just That's got bullied. It's fine. Um, sure. <laughs> but, but like when I see a bee now, my panic is not me panicking. It's like that kid who got stung and remembers that pain panicking. Like it's your body remembers all of that. And your body remembers what you've heard too and like how you internalized that. And so like behind all of the good and bad things and feelings that you have is little tiny Jackie Mm. learning why that was a good or bad thing. And so it makes sense that you would like talk to little Jackie because that's who you are. Like that's, yes, I'm, my brain is developed now to full form, but like, the person that was developing it deserves like all the credit for living through all of that. So I could be formed the way I am now. Oh, absolutely. Like I think talking through this stuff with um, my therapist, Amber, I know, you know, 
just for whoever's doesn't know. <laughs> Your therapist, um, Amber. <laughs> Who is she? I've never heard. <laughs> um, talking, my therapist's name is Amber. Amber. Disclaimer for whoever else is listening. <laughs> um, I remember talking about things like that with Amber last year and just talking about like, like I was having a pretty bad like depression season of time or whatever. Um, Happens. Yeah, and I was talking to her about how like frustrated myself that I was, that I was still upset about these certain things and like just really beating myself up over it. And the whole session kind of just summer or summed up to her at the end being like, we need to build. Like it sounds simple, but her just telling me like we need to work on building like self-compassion for why you are feeling those things and why you use this to feel better and like how it sounds weird but like how is depression actually trying to like help you and looking at it through that kind of lens versus just feeling like shame for being afraid of the bees or shame for feeling sad over something that happened five years ago (laughs) like it's all just self-compassion is a really big deal so I'm just happy that I'm happy that we're able to like talk about it and work on that because it changes everything. Well, and it's hard to have, especially when you're like, especially with depression, that's a tough one because it's like, you know, I know like when I'm depressed, I get, I lash out really badly and it's especially, especially shows in my relationship, like the kinds of things and the kinds of things I say and do to the people closest to me, specifically romantically. So like Nick takes the brunt of it, like, you know, it. I've learned a lot, you know, in his, in my relationship with him about how I've done that for years with all my, you know, significant others and how, like, why things went so badly. And we've finally both been able, like, and and actually we both had, like, contradictory trauma on that, on that, um, that front of, like, how to handle it because he handled it by shutting down, you know, and I handled it by lashing out and being Mm -hmm. upset that he was shut down. And it was because we'd both experienced different things growing up. And, like, it's hard to have the self-compassion around depression because you're watching yourself destroy your own life sometimes if you let it run too rampant. But, like, the second you start to have the compassion is when you start to, like, heal. And um, and it is – it's, like, it's just – it's hard because it is like a coping mechanism. Like we don't really think about mental illness as like a coping mechanism, but it's all something you used at some point or learned at some point. Oh yeah. Like so it's like <laughs> everything like eating disorders is a coping mechanism or Amber's favorite word was strategy. Like they're all just like strategies for us to try to survive because that's what we learned we needed. And so now it's like just the process of trying to unlearn the, Magus maladaptive strategies and kind of, I guess, teach ourselves that like we don't need them anymore, that like now we get to live a different kind of life. Well, and also to remember that like your your path and your story is different than other people's. Like me trying, me sitting here watching you go through treatment and being like, why can't I be treated for my eating disorder? And why can't I like, why does it not help when I'm like angry at the world for, (laughs) for like, experience for like creating diet culture and stuff like why is that not beneficial for me and it's because like we're different people we sat we suffered different things like Uh we experienced different maladaptive behaviors growing up and like and so I think a lot of people like who grow up especially like experiencing eating disorders um tend to think that like they all look alike and even within like the same eating disorder they don't look alike and treatment looks different like oh my gosh yeah I mean you saw that 
firsthand. I know from some of what you've said, like from what you've said to me um, off of the podcast about, yeah. you know, what you saw and experienced and, and like with other people at, um, at your treatment center, it's like, like everybody has different things, like different, a different named monster on in their closet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. One of my fears in going was that people would think I was crazy because I felt like I didn't look the part. I'm like, I there's no way that I that someone would think that I was doing this to myself because it's just like we're like just trained to have this very stereotypical idea in our head of what things look like, and we're never gonna feel or from my experience, like I'll never feel sick enough or I'll never feel like I look this. I don't know. It's just I uh, get that. Have I ever told you about how um, people ask me for snacks my first day in uh, my treatment center because they thought I was a nurse? Oh, my God. <laughs> Until I started crying. <laughs> oh, that's really funny, actually. It was really funny, like, in retrospect. Oh At the time, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, because I had, I had felt the same way going in. I was like, I don't belong here. I'm not sad enough, even though I was literally, like, suicidal. Yeah. I was like, I'm not sad enough. Weird. People never think we're sick enough. Exactly. And it's, just, it's so sad. There's this book, actually, that whoever's listening to this should read. It's called, it's called Sick Enough. I didn't read it because I didn't have time. I'm all recommending a book I haven't read. I read like summaries and stuff, but it's all about the science of like what happens in our brains with eating disorders and stuff and how the most common thing ever is that we never think we're sick enough Yeah, and how dangerous that is and how it's just like built into your mind, which is just messed up. Well, and with you too, like, cause you're so positive and so upbeat and so happy. And like, you know, it's like, it, it would literally gut me reading like the, the journals that you would po- that you were posting or that you were writing because you were posting like journals that you wrote right before treatment. Yeah. And we were hanging out. We were watching. I remember there was one night we like watched Heartland and ate snacks and I was like crying to you about my own feelings and thinking like not even realizing that you were going through a similar thing and you sat and so kindly like listened and were so loving and like you know you and I are very different people like our Enneagrams basically like put that right <laughs> in the open because I'm a four yes. so like all of my feelings are on my sleeve like I don't hide everybody thinks I'm a seven and I'm like no when have I ever hidden my feelings from you <laughs> and they're like that's true but um but you're I'm a seven. seven and you're yes. yeah and so you are so like it's so hard to even realize that you're going through something until you know you are open about it and it doesn't mean that's like a death sentence it's like it just is something to be aware of and it was it would break my heart to see like I I felt like such a bad friend I was like oh my gosh all this time she is going through this thing that I'm like complaining about (laughs) And, and she's going through the same thing and like even you know I remember even like I didn't really look up the treatment center you'd gone to and you told me like oh you can come visit but just you know it might be triggering and I was like would it and then I looked it up and I was like oh it would what (laughs) (laughs) what I was like what when did that happen and it was just like did I really not tell you it was for an eating disorder no you didn't what the hell was I, I doing? I thought it was just like trauma. We, we, the way we, I didn't want to push. I didn't want to press. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't tell you that. I was so, oh, I was so disconnected from it because I was so scared. 
I just like, that's insane to me. Like I knew you understood where I was coming from because you seemed so like empathetic towards my situation, but you never were like, yeah, same. This is what I deal with. And like, you know, looking back on it, like there's, it's a constant thing I have to like keep in mind of because I do get very like, and I know I dominate conversations. It's probably why I love doing podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) But, um, it worked out well. No. (laughs) Yeah. It works out great. But, um, but like, and I've told you this a lot that I have a lot of anxiety about the fact that I do that, but I get so excited about something and get carried away. And like, you know, it's like looking back on that, it's one of those times where I'm like, oh man, like I should have stopped for a second. And like, and so I, I, and I've told you, we've had this conversation before and, and like <laughs> come to terms. So I, I won't get all like, but it, I felt so bad. And it's like, mm. it's, it's so different seeing like, it's like the Enneagram thing is really, I think the best way to describe it of like, you know, it's, you were so quiet about it. And like, it was so deep, deep buried within, like no one knew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's crazy remembering now because, like, I wouldn't even talk about it with Amber to, like, the very end. I remember, like, at the, like, it was starting to become, like, a thing. I could tell I was, like, falling really low back into, like, eating disorder world. And at the very end of a session, I was like, oh, also, food's hard. Okay, I got to go. <laughs> Bye. And she was like, I do uh, that hold every on. time if it makes you feel better. Every single time I, like, try to drop a bomb in therapy, I do it in the last five minutes. Oh, yeah, it's the only way to do it, you know. But it just blew my mind how not honest I was with you guys. And then I realized that I wasn't, I don't think I was capable of being that honest because I didn't I wasn't even being that honest with myself it was kind of like I was in like survival mode of just get to the next day so I cannot look into that for more than like five minutes yeah. in therapy it's just crazy it's really crazy just kind of like the different ways we get by well I'm I it's like I think it kind of worked out um like I I mean I'm I'm really excited for all of this insanity to be over with the um, virus and everything because I, I really would like to, like, see you apply this into the world. And I know that might be kind of, like, a scary thing for you, but, like, it's yeah. like, a, oh, gosh, this seems really daunting. But, like, just know, like, those of us who are here, it's like, I can't wait to see how I think it's going to be a lot better than you think it is. And, like, it's not going to be perfect. I mean, there's going to be really awful triggering things. Like, we work in a restaurant, so. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm excited, too, and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited to be on this, like, journey with you because, like, we have, like you said, very different stories, but I feel like we're honestly on, like, the same journey of just learning how to. It feels parallel. Just be who we are. Yeah. Just like learning who we are and like how to just embrace that and what we need. And it's been really, really, honestly, just like, it's just been fun. It's just been really good. And it's kind of wild, like even how we ended up in each other's lives. Like that's probably one of the craziest stories of how I became friends with someone ever. Oh, yeah. Should we we say that? (laughs) Just, just, let's just, yeah, we'll we'll end with that. We'll end with that. And then I have. so good. (laughs) A last random question for you. Okay, cool. Yeah, tell tell how we met. Okay, I started working at the restaurant we work at, and <laughs> um, <laughs> that shall not be we named. Get some stalkers. Um, we do love that place, but it is not oh, yeah. to be named. Um, yes. So, and I remember, like, I always saw Jackie. And I thought she was like super cool. Like, she would come in. I remember you came in to eat one time. 
And uh, I think I've told you this. Like, you came in to eat with someone, and I remember, like, everyone came over to you, and I was like, man, that girl's so cool. She'd never be friends with me. Oh, that's so <laughs> sad. <laughs> but I think that about people all the time. I felt that way about, like, a lot of our friends. Like, Sarah, I felt that way. Like, there's oh. so many people that I was like, they'll never be friends, and now they're, like, people who mean everything to me. And oh. um, so, like— <laughs> I remember, so we were working together for the longest time and I, you know, everybody was so nice at this place where we work, um, redacted. And yes, <laughs> this place where we work. <laughs> and um, there was one day that we were like folding napkins in the back or like linens in the back as uh, servers do. And hmm. at one point, like you just asked me out of nowhere. We'd never even really talked. And you were just like, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> my Jackie impersonation. It's great. Just it's, like me. It's really spot on. And then um, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing pony stuff. And like, I thought it was like a general thing. Everybody knew I did horse things. It's kind of all I talked about. Like they always make you do when you're new. They make you like uh, say things about yourself and like pre-shift and stuff. And I'd be like, I work with horses. Woohoo. And um, I'm a horse girl. And then you were like, me too. No way. And and then so we get in this conversation about, oh, my gosh, like, you know, like, I what do you do? And I was like, oh, I work with horses, like, and do a equine um, mentorship program. And you were like, oh, I do, uh, I go to an equine therapist. I do equine assisted therapy. And I was like, so cool, because actually at the time, so funny, funny fact, I don't know if you knew, at the time, I... This was like in like August of last year, right? Yeah, so, a long time ago. And uh, like right before, I, I was about to go to this like ministry retreat for a bunch of ranches like ours with Amber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. And I yeah. and I was like at the time, I remember thinking like at some point I need to talk to her because like I think this is what I want to do with my life. I had just really come to terms with the fact that like I didn't want to torture myself with being a musician anymore. I wasn't loving it. I I really wanted to work with horses and I really wanted to help people. And so I was like, I really want to go and do whatever it takes to be an equine assisted therapist. I think I could do it. I've already basically been doing something similar, but it's not therapy, not at all therapy for the record. Um, I just have to say that's super disclaimer anytime I ever say this. Um, <laughs> yeah. We do mentorship, not therapy. Um, but I was like, I, I just feel like I see how many ways like horses help people and we'll have to get into that in a whole other podcast sometime. But anyway, mm-hmm. so this is what's going through my mind at the time. So you're like, oh, I go to an equine therapist and I'm thinking like, wow, so cool. Uh, I actually know, I said, I know someone who does that and like, I'm looking into it myself. That's all I told you. And you were like, so cool. Yeah. Like it's like changed my life and you know, oh my gosh, I really love it. We were just like gushing about horses. That's it. Yeah. So like. Literally, no mention of Amber in that conversation. Like, a couple days pass, you show up to work, and I'm wearing my leather warrior bracelet, which is from one of our horses that passed away, and everyone at the ranch wears one. And you were like, I think my therapist knows you. (laughs) And I was like, what? And you go, well, she also has one of these bracelets. And I was like, is your therapist Amber last name? (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say (laughs) Last name redacted. (laughs) Oh my god! And you were like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" And I'm like, "I'm freaking out because like, what a small, small world." And then I'm thinking also in my head, I'm like, "I don't know if I can be friends with you then because I'm pretty sure it's like a conflict of interest." Um, But I feel like we've, I feel like we've handled that very well. But we're past um, that. But it was funny because so then I, I remember I went to um, 
I went to that ministry retreat and like talked to Amber about how I wanted to do that. But Amber being the person she is and being like just amazing was like, actually, I'm going to deep dive into your feelings in your life. And so she started like having these conversations. I was having a tough time at this retreat. And I remember she like asked all the questions I needed to be asked in that moment and just made me feel really comfortable with the awful situation I was Mm -hmm. like mentally dealing with at the time. And I just felt so much more comforted by just, she's just so real. Like, and I felt very, um, I felt like comfort, comforted by her realness. You know, I didn't feel like I had to put on airs of being like a better Christian than I was or something. I, I don't think I was or wasn't better. And, um, and so I remembered like talking to her. I was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. <laughs> yes. And I think I actually asked her then. I was like, do you know anyone who like does basically exactly what you do, just like you do, but isn't my friend? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember this. <laughs> and so she actually gave me recommendations that I didn't take, but I I love who I ended up with. But anyway, so yeah, t- like time passes and, you know, uh, I finally get you out to the ranch and you ended up like falling in love with it and loving all our handsome boys and Oh man, it just, it's really cool. Cause like, I love when things like this happen that just feel really intentional. Yeah. Um, just super intentional and in like a really special way. But when I started going to Freedom Reigns with you and then that was like when, around the time when I started realizing like how impactful equine therapy actually is. Cause all this stuff happened in sessions with Amber and the horses over there and she told me at the end of a session, she's like, it's not an accident that you're coming to me and it's not an accident that you are getting involved with Freedom Reigns. And this big like light bulb moment to me that like this is all just a really important part of my life. Yeah, and you were given a, a resource basically. Like, you know, I don't personally believe that like God or whatever uh, entity it is that whatever spirit it is that I do believe something, you know, is there. But... I don't believe that God like puts us like I don't think God pushes us into places, but I think like there are places that are given to us that are resources. Yes. And we can choose to take them or not. And that's part of the beauty is you have complete freedom to be like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I actually hate horses. Oh God. I can't even imagine. You should you should actually um like just cut that out. Okay. Maybe just stop. Just make it say, just make it say, just like the entire podcast is me saying, I actually hate horses. And then you can like have it on record that I said that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a classic idea. I have some, some blackmail on you now. You do. If I ever get kind of mad at you, I'll just cut that and like put it on Instagram. (laughs) Yes. I'll send it to take. (laughs) Sierra actually hates horses. I have proof. Dang. Well, Sierra, this has been the best conversation. I, have one last short, quick thing to ask you before we close out, okay? Yes. Okay. Would you rather go... <laughs> would you rather the rest of your life go around convincing people that you thought that I was Hannah Montana? Like, you don't have to convince people that I am Hannah Montana. Wait, you just wait. Have to convince- <laughs> I really need to, like, take notes on this question. <laughs> Hold on. I wasn't ready for this. I need to, like, wipe my eyes. And, okay, oh, my right. gosh. <laughs> it's okay. a little bit all of right. a detour. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. 
You don't have to convince people that I am indeed Hannah Montana. You just have to convince them that you believe with all of your heart that I, Jackie, am Hannah Montana. Okay. Would you rather that or would you rather have a daily, you can't get out of it, very mediocre job, shining shoes of ex-rap artists' feet? That does not sound like a mediocre job, <laughs> first of <laughs> but all. But they're like shitty rap artists, and they're done, and they're just over it. Okay. Um, okay. Hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the, my first question. So, <laughs> okay. Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> is, the, is the Hannah Montana thing, is that what I spend literally every hour of my day doing? Or that's just like kind mm. of a, like, it's like my hobby. Uh, not every hour. It comes up at least once a day. Okay. Like, all the close people in your life, basically, you want them all to believe that you... Because it's like, if you really thought I was Hannah Montana, well, let's say that she's a big deal right now. <laughs> if you really she thought is. I was Hannah Montana... She is. If you really thought that, like, you'd want everyone to know that, like, your friend's Hannah Montana. So you want everyone in your life to believe that you believe that. Well, the first sounds scary similar to what I already do at least once a day, so I'm going to go with that. Okay. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) What do you do every day? Every day I tell everyone that I am absolutely convinced that you're the real Slim Shady. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, that's a really good answer. I didn't know that. I'm honored to be Slim Shady. At least once a day, someone asks me. (laughs) <laughs> Who's the real Slim Shady? And I say, hey, Jackie, stand up. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's a great answer. No one's ever answered that way. If I had a dollar for every time that that was a response to an answer I gave to a question, no <laughs> oh one's ever gosh. answered that way. I am I am excited. That's that's honestly a highlight of the day for me to know now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Forget Hannah Montana. <laughs> Yes, I need no. to change the question, honestly. Would you like to convince people that I am the real Slim Shady? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, Is Sierra, she not thank standing? You. Oh, man. <laughs> Sierra, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, so much for being on my podcast. I'm just happy to get to talk to you because I feel like <laughs> half this is I feel like I just wanted to catch up with you I so know. I got to know more about what's going on yeah that's what's up I'm I uh would love to do it again about we'll have to talk about horses I mean we can yes. literally do it any day you want because I am just at home oh, or with yeah. the horses so getting, well, getting content great. <laughs> getting stories to share when you get home exactly I, love it. I can just do it from the ranch <laughs> so good well if you guys, I just remembered we were recording a podcast. I thought we were just talking. Um, <laughs> I know. A couple if, of times today I've been like, wait, am I talking to people? Or? This is the part where I'm trying to promote your album. Hold on. Let me pull up what oh, you it's okay. You guys out there do not know Sierra is an incredible musician, well, wonderful, wonderful singer, songwriter. And I want to promote her album, but I'm going to ask her to promote her album. So Sierra, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am in the middle of an 11 song concept album about liberation from basically abuse. So it kind of works out great for what we've been talking about. Oh, yeah. um, but it 
is one song's releasing at a time. I have a new one, Moon, that should be coming out soon. I'll know for sure probably by the time that this releases. And um, if you would like to find any of my songs, there's, oh, God, I really should know this off the top of my head. I think there's six out right now. Sure. We'll go with that. Six. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Good like number. That. And um, actually, I'm like almost positive it's six. Let's say six. Um, you can keep all that in. Okay. <laughs> Everything's in. It's very on brand for I'm me. I'm actually just going to post this and <laughs> just I'm going to edit it. straight up post it. I need to oh, take yeah. the picture first. But um, <laughs> Yes, the picture. <laughs> but you can find it on anywhere that you stream music. My name is Sierra Ferris. It's S is in Sam, I R A, F is in Frank, A R I S, as in Sam. Um, <laughs> it's a palindrome, so it should be front and back the same. If it is, you did it right. If not, sorry, don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. And my website is SierraSings.com. It's my name and then what I do. And then my Instagram is SierraSings.com, which is also my name and what I do. And then my other Instagram for horses, if you are more interested in the horse things we do, we being me and Jackie and also a lot of other people, <laughs> um, is at Sierra in a saddle. And Jackie's on it sometimes. So Yes. Yeah. Love it. I will put all that information in the show notes if you guys didn't get it. So you can go check out all of the things. There will be links. Yeah. Listen to it or not. I Either way, yes. it's going to come out. So. Absolutely. Here we, <laughs> we're there. coming for you. But Sierra, thank you again. Thank you. You're amazing. Absolutely. Go ride ponies until, I don't know, the until The sun something. goes down. Yes, go ride ponies. And, <laughs> yes, until the sun goes down. And I will talk and see you soon. I love you very much, Sierra. I love you very much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. If you guys want to support me and get involved and be a potential guest on this show, then go to patreon.com slash Jackie G TV. Or if you want to read my story and get a better feel for where all of this came from and where I got interested in talking about these kind of things, then go check out my book, Finding Home at JackieGronland.com. Thank you so much. All this will be in the show notes below, and I will see you next week.